I'm thrilled to welcome our guest, Anthony Marcos, on our Coptic Orphans podcast, Cool Copts Doing Cool Things. I'm Nermeen Riyad, founder and executive director here at Coptic Orphans. In our bi-weekly podcast, I'll be talking with the most interesting and influential people that we know in the Coptic and Egyptian circles. And I'll also be bringing you up to speed on what Coptic Orphans is doing and how, by God's grace, we ensure that fatherless children are cared for, loved, and educated to reach their greatest potential. I'm happy to sit down today with Anthony Marcos. Anthony is an author who wrote the book, A Spring in Sinai, the hero martyr Mina Aboud, his life, miracles, and martyrdom in post-revolution Egypt. The book was published by the St. Mary and St. Moses Abbey Press of the Southern Diocese and records for the very first time the biography of Father Mina Abu Cherabim, a young priest who was killed for his Christian faith in the city of El Arish on July 6, 2013. Anthony also had the honor of being hosted by His Holiness Pope Tawadros II to talk about the book. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us, and we're really excited to have you here on Cool Pops. There's so much that I'm curious about, so let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. I mean, it's such an honor being with you today, and I'm truly humbled to be given the blessing of joining you on the podcast. Thank you so much. So a little about myself. I'm 24 years old. I'm currently residing in Florida. I'm in my third year of dental school at NSU College of Dental Medicine. I was born in Canada and officially moved to the United States with my family when I was about seven years old. My favorite thing in the world is traveling to Egypt to spend retreat, where on one of my visits in 2019, I was personally commissioned to write this book by Abuna's wife, Tasoni Mariam. Super excited to tell you more about the book and the wonderful journey I took to write it. Wow, this is quite fascinating. As I was mentioning, you there's another famous uh, dentist who's also an author, Ala uh, Al Aswani. So you may be going in. You're, you'll be as famous as him, inshallah. So, how in the world did you come up to write a biography while studying dental medicine? So the summer before I started dental school, I traveled to Egypt for another retreat. And there I was introduced to Tasoni Mariam. And we sat together for hours on end. Abuna's story personally touched me to the point that I asked her, the youth need to hear his story. Hmm. They need to benefit from it as I did. Is there anything written about him in English anywhere that I, that I can bring back to the youth so they can read and benefit? And she told me, to be honest with you, no one took that upon themselves. So I told her, I'll do it. Hmm. <laughs> when I returned to the U.S. and started grad school, my goal was to write around one page a day. Because though I knew dental school was going to be daunting, I promised myself that I would still pursue the work and others. Because God wanted to get this martyr story out to his children, I really found God's hand obviously working with me. To the point that there were days when 50 pages or more would be written in a single sitting, even though I had to balance between exams and lab work. <laughs> the book took approximately two and a half years to publish from start to finish, including interviewing many phone calls with Tasoni and people who personally knew Abu Namina. 
the editing process, the offering of the book and the manuscript uh, to the committee, in total, it was about two and a half years from start to finish. Wow. So, Anthony, you mentioned that something in his story really touched you. I mean, you could have written, I'm sure there's other stories that could have been written. What was it about Abuna Mina's story specifically that, that touched you? So, I remember when I went to Tasoni's house, I walked in and I found all these pictures of Abuna all over the walls. And many of them had a halo on them. A lot of them were photoshopped to include a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I thought he was he was a saint, a martyr. But one thing she told me that really touched me was, and I'm quoting her, Abu Namina is just a normal guy. Hmm. And that's what drew me to him, his normalcy, how relatable he was to the everyday person. By God's grace, I really wanted to highlight that, to make Abu Namina relatable to us quote-unquote normal people. And during the publishing process, I shared a sentiment with the people on the editorial board that the story needs to be candid. We didn't want it to be another cynic Syrian-like biography. Mm. Something that really drew me to him was the fact that he was a youth like all of us. And when I met His Holiness last month, he asked me the same question. What drew you to Abu Namina specifically? Why him? So I told him he was just a youth like me. So he asked me, how old was he when he was martyred? And I said, 38. And he replied immediately, so a youth, exactly, just like you. So in the book, not only will the reader be exposed to the martyr's holiness, but most importantly, it'll show the progression of this normal youth into the wonder-working martyr we now know. It's a wonderful source of encouragement that holiness and sainthood are available and possible for all of us. Brings to mind uh, that there's a book about Saint Teresa, and the name of the book is uh, "The Extraordinary Life of an Ordinary Saint" or an ordinary person. I can't remember. And that's what always strikes us with saints is that actually, you know, you and I are both called to be saints. We're ordinary people, but yet God calls all of us to be saints. I find it fascinating also that Tasuni was involved in this. I, how old was she when you met her? So Tasoni is a few years younger than Abu Namina, mm. and I started writing the book in 2018, around, mm. sorry, 2019. I started writing the book in 2019, so she was, um, to be honest with you, I'm not too sure how old she was, but she was mm. a few years older. Yeah, as I'm hearing you when you said he was 38, I imagine her to be a, a young woman, and for her to kind of have been inspired to say no one has written about this, kind of prompted the whole thing to start. But I think in a, it's fascinating how God uses every single one of us. So a question then is, are you thinking of doing another book? Is this now in your, in your future? So there are several plans currently under consideration. And Recently, we've been in constant contact with the St. Moses uh, Abbey Press about the next few projects. Uh, without giving away too much, I'll tell you that we do need many prayers because the full biographies of many, many more contemporary saints will be released for the very first time to the benefit of all. This is wonderful. And I think in this is the, the idea that His Holiness Pope Tawadros, when you met with him, he was very enthusiastic about this. Tell me a little bit about that meeting between you and the Pope. Absolutely. So when I was in Egypt for retreat, His Holiness kindly hosted me in the 
papal residence in his office to discuss the book. His Grace Bishop Eklimandos, who accompanied me to the meeting, told me that on that morning, His Holiness was heading a meeting for the bishops and priests of Cairo, meaning we'd only be able to talk with him for just a few short minutes. When we walked in the office and handed His Holiness a copy of the book, he was so excited. Mm. I can't even describe the look on his face. His first comment was, so this book is written to target the youth in the diaspora. And then he motioned for us to sit down. Me and His Grace kind of looked at each other. We were a little surprised because His Holiness was scheduled to oversee the meeting in less than five minutes or so. We ended up sitting with him for over half an hour. Mm. After telling him about the book, he kindly asked his personal photographer to come into the office and take photos of all of us. And there are pictures of His Holiness enthusiastically reading through the book and commenting on certain portions and asking me questions. It was very such a, it was such a blessed time to be with him. And he was so incredibly happy to see the lives of saints being documented in such a transparent manner without overly romanticizing them. And of course, he kindly encouraged us to continue recording these biographies and told us he was very excited to see what would be produced next. That's really lovely. I'm also looking forward to your next book, whatever it may be. And really, because once you, when you, especially when you read a biography of someone, it's as if you get to know them intimately. And there's so much value in that. And I, and I think I would encourage all our listeners to maybe, maybe to reach out to you to get your experience on how you manage to publish a book so that others who may be interested can gain that same experience. Exactly. And I would strongly, strongly encourage anyone who has this gift of writing to join me in this effort because especially the contemporary saints of this generation are so much and many are being martyred in these days and they need their lives to be recorded for future generations to to benefit from. They may be available in Arabic, but the fact that they're not available in English is, is quite sad. And I would love to see many jump on this uh, train to be able to to get going with recording the lives of these saints. God willing, that will happen. So, Nermeen, I have a few questions for you now. So, speaking of priests, I'm, I'm talking about uh, Coptic orphans. Do you pull from clergy in Egypt when choosing the volunteer reps for Coptic orphans? Uh, that's a great question, Anthony. You, as you know, and we depend heavily on our volunteer reps, who are the ones that serve the children, and they're the ones that go to their to the homes and monitor and check on them long term. I mean, we have volunteers that have been with us for now continually volunteering for over twenty years. It's it's an un, unheard of number, but they've been uh, through thick and thin with us. And so to answer, actually, we don't pull from the ranks of the clergy, but the opposite is true, that so many of our volunteer reps, they become, they are ordained priests. And, and it's like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> we're actually, it was funny because I remember one bishop was asking me about a particular volunteer rep, and he goes, what, what do you think of Mr. So-and-so? And I was like, oh, Mr. So-and-so, he's the most wonderful. And then I look at him and I go, oh, no, he's terrible. He's bad. He's bad. And he <laughs> chuckled. <laughs> he chuckled and he said, I'm still taking him. But what we 
I think one of the reasons that they are, you know, called to the priesthood is because a lot of the the work we we do together, we do a lot of training for them on how to deal with trauma, how to deal in difficult situations, how to be observant, how to work with the widowed mother. So all of these things makes them prime, prime targets of the bishops to then take them and ordain them. But we're, we're grateful for that. I think and it's a lovely, lovely thing to work so closely with the church in that. Thank God. Of course, it's, it's such a blessing to see the fruit of the service actually benefiting the, the general community and, and serving everyone around them. So, Nermeen, while we're talking about reaching the diaspora and reaching the youth, I'm really interested in hearing what Coptic Orphans does to connect with that younger audience. Yes, and this is something that we've been doing for 20 years now. Uh, the the program that we have, it's called Serve to Learn Program. And I remember some young people here in the United States were saying, you know, I want to help. I want to help in some way. And I thought to myself, there's nothing, I don't know how that they could help in Egypt. How can they help the children? They're not volunteer reps. They're not going to be there for the long term, etc. And then, of course, it hit me, well, they could teach English. And it was through that idea that we began bringing in youth coming to Egypt to teach English. But of course, it wasn't about the English at all. It was about that beautiful bond that was created between the the young people and the children. And the young kids, whenever they see me, they go, Are the foreigners coming? Yes, yes, they're coming. They love the Ajanib. And, and then the volunteers themselves feel very, very attached. And, and thank God, because what I love most is they begin to see the real Egypt, the real strength of faith. You know, it's a question of, wait a minute, they don't have that much. Why are they so happy? Why are they so thankful? Why are they constantly praising God? I'll tell you a really cute story. So the volunteers would teach numbers, colors in in unique ways. And uh, one teacher had M&Ms to teach uh, colors and such. And uh, so after the lesson, Yamis, Yamis, what do I do with the candy? And the miss said, "Uh, eat it. And the kid goes, no, today is Wednesday. We're fasting. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. So that was a lesson to the miss. I must say. <laughs> it's a lesson for all of us. Yes, exactly. They teach us as well. Absolutely. Uh, that's so amazing to hear. The fact that even the volunteers themselves, they're, it's not that they're just helping, but they're also benefiting. Mm. Um, so I also hear you're working on a program called The 21 to introduce young cops to learn more about their heritage. So I want to ask... Did you name it after the 21 Martyrs of Libya? And can you tell me a little bit more about the program? Yes, this program, brand new. Uh, We realize that every Copt really must have the opportunity to go to Egypt, very much like Birthright Israel, where it's a freely gifted trip, Anthony, believe it or not. This is, we're going out on a limb, but we feel very strongly about this. So any young Copt between the age of 18 and 23 would uh, be able to apply for this trip. And during this trip, not only would they be serving the children, but really discovering their heritage and understanding the roots of their faith. I can't tell you how passionate people become after a trip like this. 
so it's similar, similar to Surf to Learn, but it has that added heritage and roots of faith. And when you think about your roots of faith, you can't help but think of the 21 Libyan martyrs. I mean, they are young men of today. They're modern. They, you know, they still have relatives that you could speak to. And yet they've embodied the values of our, our willingness to sacrifice for our faith. And yet we don't ever see them as victims. We see them as victorious. And, and it's such a, an inspiring symbol of our faith and, and how the Copts have suffered greatly over 2,000 years. And yet uh, they emerge victorious. That's wonderful. So one of the questions you asked me actually is uh, how did you uh, how did you write this book while studying dental medicine? It's not the first time I've heard that question, so I I wanna I wanna kind of talk about it a bit more because certain situations have happened actually in school with my non Coptic classmates who asked me the same question. So after the monastery officially announced the release of the book, this was actually one of the main questions my classmates at school asked me, which was. How did you find the time to publish a book while going through dental school? And I remember the first time it was asked to me, uh, without hesitation, I replied, it is by God's grace, fully. And whenever I ponder this, there was absolutely no way this would have been written unless God's hand was working with mine. And this fact by itself is sufficient to declare the glory of God who manifests himself through the lives of the saints. Oh, Anthony, that's so lovely. That's so lovely. That's such a wonderful note to end on. It's been such a delight having you on Cool Cops, and I'm truly inspired by the way that you've used your talents and your knowledge uh, to spread about our history, and more importantly, for the glory of God. So any last thoughts for our listeners on how they could use their gifts for the glory of God or the Coptic cause? I want to encourage everyone to look for their gifts and to look for their talents. Without exception, every single person has a gift and every single person has a talent that should be put to use to benefit the Coptic cause, to benefit everyone around us. Uh, by God's grace, even non-Copts are now reading the book and sending me messages constantly about how the book has touched their lives. So to think that you have a gift, don't underestimate that this gift is going to benefit the people around you, no matter how small you think it may be. Everyone has a gift and a talent that's given to him by the Lord. And as the body of Christ, we all must work together for the benefit of one another. I truly pray that we search diligently for our talents and put them to use for the glory of God. Mm. So well said, Anthony. So well said. Thank you so much. I hope everyone feels as inspired as I do after this chat. And to everyone who's listening, thank you so much for your love and prayers and support for the children of Egypt. On behalf of the Coptic Orphans team, thank you for listening. This is Nermeen Riyadh, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Cool Cops Doing Cool Things.